College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. This is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America. With your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden, New York City is where I started my broadcast career. And I'm with you guys on 1210 WPHT here in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And America now has a new Supreme Court justice, judge or justice, I should say, Katanji. It might be Katanji. I don't want to mess that up. Brown Jackson, and she was admitted, or I should say confirmed to the Supreme Court. Uh, remarks were given Friday afternoon by President Biden saying this is terrific, it's historic, it's blah, 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 blah. But we know exactly who she is and what her shortcomings are. And one of those shortcomings was pointed out by Senator Chuck Grassley. Listen to this. Part of having a judicial philosophy is having an understanding of the fundamental principles of our Constitution. Natural rights are a part of that system. Judge Jackson explained to us that she does not, quote, hold a position on whether individuals possess natural rights. Now, that ought to be very shocking. Natural rights are basic to our constitutional system and principles of limited government. Oh, he's 100% right. You have to know exactly what you think before you can go ahead and administer the law and adjudicate. But that's where we are. And that's not the only crazy thing that's happening legally. And I say legally because I think a lot of people are going to take exception to this, mainly parents, because New Jersey has now said, announced, right? Governor Murphy and uh, his band of merry educators in the state of New Jersey says, New Jersey is going to require second graders to learn about gender identity this fall. So parents obviously are alarmed. And there's two articles I'm looking at on this. So I'm going to kind of bounce back and forth between the two. One of them is on Fox News. The other one is in the Save Jersey website. Our buddy Matt Rooney, great piece there. And sample New Jersey lesson plans are indicating that there's going to be some instruction on this. Exactly what Ron DeSantis is fighting against is happening in New Jersey. Things like this. Listen to this. You might feel like you're a boy even if you have body parts that some people might tell you are girl parts. And that's just the beginning of it. But New Jersey public school second graders are going to be getting lessons related to gender identity this fall under the new state sex education guidelines that take effect in September. These standards listed as quote unquote performance expectations for second graders include discussions like uh, the range of ways that people express their gender and how gender role stereotypes might limit behavior. Educators in the Garden State are preparing to carry out these teaching standards, which were established in 2020, but not required until 2022. And I remember uh, Len Deo's group, the New Jersey Family Policy Council, big shout out to them. They had a editorial 
or an interview that they did in um, Tri-State Voice magazine. And I read it and I read that on the air back in 2020. And I remembered this is going to come home to roost. And what a perfect time for this to happen now. One school district in the state is distributing uh, sample lesson plans indicating that first graders could be taught that they can have boy parts but feel like a girl. Well, isn't that something? Now, another part of it that I thought was really, really interesting is that one of the first lesson plans that was reviewed by a state senator in New Jersey says that they're trying to normalize porn. And she labeled this as cringy and, quote, outrageous, saying, quote, and this is Senator Holly Shapizzi, while some of the lessons I agree with, many are completely overboard and cringy detail for young kids. Some go as far as unnecessarily sexualizing children even further. Saying, for me, the most outrageous parts are that teachers are instructed to promote a website and its YouTube channel to kids, kids as young as nine years old, for them to get additional information on sex education. One of the very first videos posted normalizes porn as something that everyone watches and, quote, hey, it's free. She wrapped up by saying, I encourage all parents to take a look and decide if this is something they deem appropriate for kids at this age. Now, let me tell you something. This is something that... Again, my my big girl is in university now. My little girl is a junior in high school. And her experience, not exactly like mine, but similar, has been that while there's some talk of this uh, new gender fluidity, most of these conversations aren't happening in the public school. At least they weren't. Now, the indoctrination is real. It's very serious. It's happening, and it's happening in New Jersey. Now, I don't know where you're listening from. You could be listening in Philadelphia. You could be in New York City. You could be in uh, Florida or Texas or California because we have listeners from all over the country that tune into this program. But I got to tell you, this is going to come knocking at your door the way it's coming to knock at my door now. I grew up in Brooklyn, but I live in Bergen County, New Jersey. And while this may not affect my kids directly, I don't want this to affect anybody's kids. So I think this is one of those things that we really, really have to take a look at. And I'd love to get your reaction on this. Uh, let me know on my social media. I'm on all the social media at Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez with an S. And let me know. What do you think? Is it appropriate? Do we need a don't say gay bill in New Jersey? Right. A parental rights and education act like the one that uh, Ron DeSantis put forward. I say, I think we do. Moreover, I say we need a Ron DeSantis. But here's what he had to say about this gingerbread chart, or I think they called it a genderbread chart. Listen to this. This is not something that I thought was something that was going to be around. So this is something that this is in Florida and other places school for very young kids, the genderbread man. So this is trying to sow doubt about kids, about their gender identity. It's trying to say that, you know, they could be uh, whatever they want to be. Uh, this is inappropriate for kindergartners and first graders and second graders. Parents do not want this going on um, in their schools. Absolutely. And he's 100 percent right. What parent wants this in their schools? And the reason this is happening is because there are external forces that are promoting this, that are pushing it. And if you don't believe me, listen to this clip. This one is from the president of Disney. And I played some of this uh, last week, but I want to play just another piece for you so that you're fully aware of everything that's going on. Listen to this. When I was at Freeform, um, it was very much in the brand ethos of Freeform to be the tip of the spear when it comes to inclusion and... Um before she goes on, I want to just jump in here. I remember when it changed from ABC Family Channel and it had some really wholesome family programming on it to Freeform, the new brand name. And I remember telling my kids, I wonder what that's all about. And I would say, oh, it's on ABC Family. And they go, no, it's Freeform now. And, and one of the main commercials that I would see on Freeform 
was Meet the Fosters. And it was about this blended family that had some uh, gay or lesbian uh, in the family. And it was a big push. It was like the number one commercial that they were pushing. And I thought to myself, wow, what a left turn this took. Now, this happened while my kids were little. This was, had to be at, at least 10 years ago. So now we know the, the name and the face, Carrie Burke, who's the mother of two queer children, And she says the company's been targeting Gen Z and millennials with LGBTQIA inclusion content for quite some time. And her own son, who she says is a queer, says that Gen Z is 30 to 40 percent queerer than any other generation. And Disney better get with it. Let's continue. Play the tape. Um, And we like you, Latoya, I mean, we jumped up and down. We celebrated that. Nobody stopped us. And and it. I have a question. I'm just pausing this one more time. Why do we celebrate people that live their lives so differently than anybody else? Now, I understand if you want to celebrate someone for having the strength and the courage to become a Caitlyn Jenner, for example, and I'm not trying to criticize Caitlyn Jenner, but I am trying to say, why do we celebrate this as some sort of massive victory in life that you decide to lob off your your breasts or to convert to a different sex, even if it's just in the way you dress and letting your hair grow out or whatnot? Because a lot of these transsexuals, they they only identify as that other sex and they dress as it, but they don't always have what they call a top surgery where they have a, like a mastectomy or a double mastectomy or vice versa, where they actually, you know, turn their penis into a vagina or their vagina into a penis. So what is this huge celebration? Why, why is it that people aren't celebrating me because I identify as cisgender? Why aren't you being celebrated for being straight? That's the question. I don't care that other people want to live differently. And despite my personal thoughts that they manipulated the Diagnostic Statistical Manual uh, 5th Edition, DSM-5, the the, um, shrinks and medical doctors use this to diagnose people. I believe that that was manipulated from forces that are external, just like this Disney woman to change the rules, to say it's not mental illness anymore. Now this is something that is the mainstream. And instead of fixing it with therapy, we're going to fix it with hormones and not like, hey, I'm a boy and I feel like a girl. Then give him some more testosterone. Maybe he'll feel like a boy again. No, we're going to give him more testosterone so he can feel like a girl. That's insanity. And that then give him breast implants and whatnot. But that's what's going on. And my thought here is, why do we do that? Let me know your thoughts, because I'm really, really beside myself on this one. Um, The social media for me, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez with an S. But this is really, really interesting stuff, as we have the Disney executive here celebrating and targeting Gen Z and millennials for her campaign. But let's wrap up this audio. It felt great. And and in part, I I think nobody stopped us because we were... um, you know, we were targeting Gen Z and, mm. and millennials. We were tar- targeting a younger, um, I, I think, more open-minded. Um, and and now we know, you know, as my son texted me this morning, <laughs> you know, Gen Z is thirty to forty percent queer than the other generations, mom. So Disney better get with it. And- wow. So Disney better get with it. 
Uh, now, listen, I'm not shocked in the least. I've, see, I've seen this, right? I think you've seen it. We've all seen this with our own eyes, that this generation seems to be off the wall, super gay. Why they're super gay, I don't know. I'm guessing it's because of the influences from Disney, the influences from Freeform, from all over the place, not the least of which are right in the classroom like we're seeing in New Jersey. So kudos to Ron DeSantis for doing that. If you're a politician and you're listening to this, you better start submitting a don't say gay version of a bill in your state which is really a parental rights and education bill. We need to defend parents and more over, uh, or I should say more importantly, we need to defend children. Anyway, don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And we're going to get into what the founder of the 1619 Project had to say. So don't move a muscle. Rich Valdez, this is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez. What's up, America? Welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And again, you guys know me from This Is America, my show right here on 1210 WPHT, as well as the podcast version, which is available on iHeartRadio or wherever you want to hear your podcast. You can get it there as well. We're really uh, widely distributed there. And, of course, you may know me from Newsmax TV, where I do some commentary every now and again. And, of course, as Mr. Call Screener from The Mark Levin Show. And I, uh, it's always a pleasure to fill in for Mark Levin when I have that opportunity. And I actually will have that opportunity coming soon, so keep your ears open for that. I love to join you guys on the hundreds and hundreds of affiliate stations and millions and millions of listeners. It really intensifies the show. It makes it a little bit more nerve-wracking, but it's an amazing conversation that I have with all of America. You know, And that's really what I love about it and what I love about the production work, too. You speak with people, you get some guy, hey, how you doing? Yeah, Billy from Brooklyn calling. And then you get the next call that comes in. It's like, uh, yeah, how you doing? My name's William. William E. I'm calling from Arkansas. And, and, and you get all these different uh, sounds and accents and perspectives. And you really understand America like very few others can because you don't have access to all of these people all the time. And that really opens my eyes. And one of the things I've learned most is that ultimately we are a good people. Ultimately, 
most people get it. And ultimately, most people don't believe that we're racists. But this woman, Nicole Hannah-Jones, and I think that's her name, Nicole Hannah-Jones, from the 1619 Project, she uh, disagrees. She thinks that America is a racist country and we're dealing with the World War II racist generation. And on top of that, she says, it's parents that are wrong. When they don't like what's being taught in their schools, they're the ones that are wrong because America was founded as a racist country. Now, listen, I'll be the first one to say I don't believe that America is a racist country today, but I do believe we had racism and I do believe there was even systemic racism, but I don't believe that we have that today. I don't believe there are racist systems right now that are holding me back from speaking on these airwaves, an industry that was once dominated by white men and still is, honestly. Nobody's stopping me unless they just don't like my talent. That's a different story. Difference of opinion. Not very good taste in programming, I would say. (laughs) But the question of, oh, we don't like him because he's brown. No, 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 no. I don't think people live their lives through this lens of calling people white, black, brown, yellow, this, that, and the other. I think normal people say that's a good person. They do good at their job. It's a meritocracy and we're going to treat them right. But not Nicole Hannah. Did I say it right? Nicole. Nicole. Anyway, we'll just call her Nicole. Nicole Hannah-Jones. I don't know why I was going to call her Nicole Hannah-Barnes. I have a friend named Hannah-Barnes. Anyway, I want you to hear what she had to say to Chris Wallace, who's jumped ship from Fox News, and now he's at CNN+. And this was earlier in the week. And here's what she had to say. What's your response when people say that it's you're you're saying the country's racist and that this is a central part and making us feel, making them, the kids, feel bad about it? Are you saying parents are wrong? Yes. Uh, I think that I don't know how one can argue we were not founded as a racist country. Uh, I believe that we were. Sure. Very simple. I'll let you know that we weren't a racist country because you know what? Guess what? Right now, I don't agree with the current political leadership in the United States. I did not vote for Joe Biden, but he is my president. Now, some people may want to be radical and say, no, he's not my president. Trump is still the president. That That's your own problem. But I have to follow the rules if I want to live in this civil society. I believe in doing what is right. So how do I argue that? I can tell you that I have little brown kids. They're half Puerto Rican, half Dominican, all 100% American. And nobody treats them any different, at least from my estimation, because of the color of their skin. I think we are treated in the in the beloved community, the dream, the ideal that the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King had. And that's why I sit here and I tell you, this is not a racist country. You had people that changed the, the, the verbiage to our founding documents saying that it's not life, liberty, and the pursuit of uh, uh, personal property, rather, but the pursuit of happiness because they disagreed on what is considered, what constitutes personal property. So, no, you can't just sit here and blanket and say the whole country was racist. You can say the country had a racist problem and we fought it out and more people died in the American Civil War than in any other war we've ever had. That you can say, and that we have constitutional amendments and that we've changed the law and we've changed the country in so many ways to make sure that people are given a more fair opportunity and work is yet to be done and work will continue to be done. But when you have a country where you've had a black president, where you have a black woman, left wing as all hell, that is now a Supreme Court justice, professors like you, journalists, quote unquote journalists like you, Ms. Hannah Jones, of color, as you like to say, BIPOC, black indigenous person of color, or like I say about me, brown indigenous person of color. And I say that in jest. But when you have all of these people that have succeeded, one 
has to stop and beg the question, are we a racist country? Hell no. So, yeah, I think you can make that argument. You can make the argument. Of course you can. But you just don't want to hear it. Let's continue. Play the tape. I believe that the record is clear. If you're founded um, uh, as a country where black people, because they are black, don't have rights, don't have freedom. If you have a Supreme Court that's dominated by enslavers, 10 of the first 12 presidents dominated by enslavers, uh, our founding fathers dominated by enslavers. Let me ask you a question, ma'am, because we're in 2022. So I'll ask you this. Were the last 10 presidents enslavers? Because as far as I can see, they weren't. And the closest to it was a segregationist sympathizer named Joel Baboso Biden. And that's your boy, not mine. If you have these things, the father of the uh, Constitution was an enslaver. The uh, drafter of the Declaration was an enslaver of the Bill of Rights. So to argue that people who were explicitly white supremacists in their writings, I mean, the notes on the state of Virginia says black people are inferior as a race. That is a racist foundation. This is just a factual rendering to me. Now, does that mean that most white Americans are racist? The project doesn't argue that. Well, thank God they don't argue that because that is the point that I'm trying to make. So, look, we agree on something, but it's really important that we agree on this because we can't sit here and pretend these these uh, she throws these bombs. America's a, a racist nation, but I don't think all Americans are racist, but America's a racist nation. Right. She's trying to have her cake and eat it, too. She's trying to have it both ways. And it's not fair, just like BLM. And again, I don't mean to trash BLM because I have something against um, Black Lives Mattering. Obviously not. Obviously not. I trash BLM because they put they set themselves up for failure. They put themselves in embarrassing situations and they base themselves on Marxism. And again, I'm not teaching you anything new. I'm not telling any new stories. But there is an article that is in the Epic Times uh, just a couple of days ago, April 8th. Headline, former BLM leader calls on a report saying the organization buying six million dollar homes. That's racist and it's misinformation. BLM co-founder Patrice Cullors has spoken out against a report that reveals that her organization's purchase of a $5.8 million mansion in Southern California is racist. She says it's sexist as well. It's an attack on their movement. Well, yes, I attack your movement regularly, ma'am. I mean, there's a lot to attack. You put yourself out there. Now, according to the April 4th report by New York Magazine, the 6,500 square foot California estate was bought in October of 2020 using money that had been donated to Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation, which acts as a fundraising umbrella for BLM activism. It's unclear who leads the foundation since Colors stepped down from her position in May amidst criticism over its lack of financial transparency. Now, the ownership of the, the home that's in question comes with half a dozen bedrooms and bathrooms, several fireplaces and a soundstage. Oh, that would be good for me. I like having a soundstage in the house. Anyway, a pool, a bungalow and parking for more than 20 cars. I can barely afford the car I have now. Anyway, this was transferred to an LLC in Delaware so that the new owner's identity would not be disclosed, according to the magazine. In a statement to uh, New York Magazine on April 1st, BLM board member Shalamaya Bowers said that the foundation had always planned to disclose the California house, which they bought with the intention for it to serve as housing and studio space for recipients of the Black Joy Creators Fellowship. The fellowship is said to provide recording services. Well, I provide those as well. I know a little bit about this. I don't think you need a, a huge mansion for that, but hey, it wouldn't hurt, I guess. And dedicated space for black creatives. 
to launch content online and in real life focused uh, situations focused on abolition, healing and justice, urban agriculture and food justice. Wow, that's a new one. I've never heard that one. Food justice. So it's unjust if you're fat or skinny. This just gets better and better. Anyway, they want to talk about pop culture and activism and politics. And this was only announced on April 2nd. So what do we do? Well, amid the uh, scrutiny of how BLM is spending its donation money, Colors called the magazine's mansion story a despicable abuse of how a platform that's intended to provide information to the public would go astray. Saying, again, continuing, quote, the fact that a reputable publication would allow a reporter with a proven and very public bias against me and other black leaders to write a piece filled with misinformation, innuendo and incendiary opinions is disheartening and unacceptable, end quote. And that she wrote on Instagram. Colors added that the reason the purchase wasn't announced was because the house needed repairs and renovations before it could serve as a safe space for black people, quote unquote. She further claimed that she never knew misappropriated funds uh, were used to buy the house and didn't even know there were funds being misappropriated. Although the magazine didn't accuse her of doing that, she went on to add that anyway. And the article goes on. I'll tweet it out so you can read it or you can check it out on any of the social media at Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez with an S at the end. And I find this stuff remarkable or interesting because the Marxist movement has clawed its way into almost every aspect of American society. And I say almost because I can't think of one that it hasn't. Popular culture, music, awards shows, um, classrooms, universities, the medical field, gender, right? There's so many areas where Marxists have taken over because that's their goal. It's to divide and to conquer. This is how they do what they do. They rip things to shreds. They tear things apart because that is what the Marxist does. And that's who these people are. They're not here for black lives. They're here to promote Karl Marx. They're here to, provo- uh, to promote a Marxist agenda. And that's something that you and I can't stand for. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. I want to talk about what's going on with the Republicans. There's even some rhinos that are finally stepping up uh, because people always say, where are the Republicans? Where are the Republicans? What are they doing? Well, I got a little update on that. And then I want to talk about plus what's going on with Hunter. Where's Hunter? I tweeted that once and President Trump retweeted me and that got a whole bunch of retweets. But where is Hunter Biden? I think we know where he is. He's in Malibu. He's got all this protection. It's costing him a ton of money, like 30K a month. But what's going on with that investigation? We're going to talk about that. There's a clip from Catherine Herridge I want to play. Plus, a little bit of an update on immigration in the fourth segment. So don't move a muscle. We're just getting started. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. The 45th President Donald Trump thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. Mr. Call Screener. Yeah. Oh, it's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. Welcome back, America. Welcome back, everybody in Philly. Welcome back, everybody listening coast to coast across America. Thank you for joining me. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. And we are here talking about Hunter Biden and all the stuff that's going on. We're going to get to immigration in the next segment. And I want to ask this question. 
Um, raise your hand, and not if you're driving, but raise your hand if you believe that this Hunter Biden thing is an actual story. Because some people are saying, you know what, it's not a story. Who cares what he did? You know, people that are related to famous people always kind of milk and bilk based on, you know, making money off somebody's name. And I think to myself, I don't think that's necessarily true, but I understand that it can be true. So I want to give the benefit of the doubt, but I can't help but think, based on Hunter's own emails and his own behavior, that there's something nefarious here. It looks like Joe Biden may be embroiled in something where he was getting money, where he was saying, hey, if you're, if I got hairy legs. If you're, you're going to use my name, you're, you're going to kick me back some cash, pal. Come on, man. Right. I believe that that's actually happening. But again, maybe I'm being led to believe that. Maybe it's propaganda, right? I don't think it's Russian disinformation. But, you know, I try to be fair in my thinking. Even though I always come to the same conclusion, I try not to just automatically presume, right? I want to believe that Joe is innocent until proven guilty, Hunter too. But so far, the evidence doesn't look very promising. So the question becomes, what is Hunter Biden doing? Is Joe going to sacrifice Hunter? Is Hunter going to take the fall so that he goes, oh, I had no idea to my son. Is he going to re resign in disgrace because his son gets caught out there? Or are they just putting it all out there to make it inflammatory so they could say, Hunter Biden's getting investigated for this. Hunter Biden's getting investigated for that. We're looking at Hunter Biden for all these things, millions of dollars, this, that, and the third. He's got no skills, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And then say, well, we looked into it. And you know what? We found out that he's guilty of, uh, of this, not registering as a foreign agent or of, of failing to do that. And it's an ethics complaint and kind of like what they did with Hillary Clinton, right? With Hillary Clinton, right? She, she hired this law firm. The law firm hired a former spy. They created this fake dossier. You know the story. They published it as if it was real. They brought it to the FBI. They peddled it all over the place. Next thing you know, they're spying on the Trump campaign. They're spying on the president of the United States. And it turns out, guess what? Chacho, brother, the whole thing is fake. It was all made up. And nobody even apologizes. All they do is they get a fine from the Federal Elections Commission. The FEC says, Hillary Clinton, you and your lawyers, you're getting fined. And John Durham says, you know what, I'm looking into this. And maybe the lawyer takes the fall. Maybe one of the tech advisors takes the, the fall. But Hillary's not going to take the fall. She's not going to have the famous orange jumpsuit on. So is that what they're doing right now with Hunter Biden? I don't know, but I want you to hear this uh, clip from Catherine Herridge. Listen to this. CBS News has learned that more than 150 transactions involving either Hunter or James Biden's global business affairs were flagged as concerning by U.S. banks for further review. Now, James Biden is the brother of President Joe Biden, who he's also used as a front man. So he uses Hunter as the bag man to collect the money and James as a, like a substitute or a backup, a secondary to collect some of this money. But ultimately, the, the thought is the going theory is Joe gets this money, he shares it with them, but he gets this money. Some of those concerns included large wire transfers. This is the way it is. After a nearly three-year investigation, Republican Senator Chuck Grassley told CBS News he believes the president's younger brother, James, was instrumental in Hunter Biden's Chinese business ventures. I think James Biden was very much a part of this. James Biden has worked as an entrepreneur and recently in the healthcare industry. We will focus on James Biden, the president's brother. This week, Grassley released bank records indicating James Biden's company, the Lion Hall Group, was paid directly by a Chinese-financed consulting firm. These records come directly from the banks, no third party. You're absolutely right. 
In our interview, Grassley did not allege the Bidens broke the law, but he said it's concerning that both Hunter and James Biden were promised retainers for their China work totaling $165,000 a month in 2017 after Joe Biden left the vice presidency. We have people with the Biden name dealing with Chinese business people that have a relationship through the Communist Party. I think it's very concerning. This 2019 subpoena, verified by CBS News, shows federal investigators also sought Hunter and James Biden's business records from a major U.S. bank dating back to 2014 as part of a separate probe by the U.S. attorney in Delaware into possible violations of tax and foreign lobbying laws. I think Hunter and James Biden should not have entered into those relationships. In the best case, those things look really bad. In the worst case, the conflicts can be quite serious. The White House chief of staff said this week that the president is confident his family did the right thing, adding these actions by Hunter and James are private matters and don't involve the president. CBS News began outreach to James and Hunter's legal teams last week and received no response. Nor Would you respond if CBS News was poking around and they were like, yo, did you make a lot of money on the side catching a little bit of a of a kickback from from your guy, Joe Biden, Joe El Baboso Biden? Of course not. Most people don't want to admit to that. So I understand why they're being quiet and they're being cautious. It looks like they got their hand caught in the cookie jar. Now, if you ask most Democrats, they're going to say, but listen, corruption is is part and parcel of the job of a politician. This is what they do. Why on earth are you, uh, you know, up in arms about Joe Biden getting, you know, greasing the skids a little bit with his family. That's what we do in Jersey. Hey, right. Oh, hey, forget about it. Well, listen, the problem is most Americans don't live off of a pension from the state of New Jersey. Most Americans don't live that way, and they're not expecting their elected officials to rob them blind. That's the problem. Anyway, the media is one of the main culprits here. In addition to these guys and whatever bad acting they may have done, allegedly, the media is covered up for them. And at this uh, Atlantic Council forum with the media, Brian Stelter, that's the little guy from the weekends, he's got a very um, uh, a very uh, interesting approach, right? He, he just criticizes the media. He's a media critic on CNN on Saturdays. And interestingly, they've never invited me on the show. And I always find that interesting because why not bring a guy like me? I'm one of the most level-headed conservatives out there. I'm not a, a crazy left-wing rhino. And... And I'm willing to have a civil conversation, but yet they never invite me. Anyway, Stelter says that anybody who thinks anything about this Hunter Biden thing, it's because you just don't know how things work. Listen to this. So in September or October of 2020, when the New York Post has something, other outlets can't match it. There's this pressure. Why aren't you confirming this? Why aren't you focusing on this? Why aren't you leading on this? Because we haven't matched it. We haven't confirmed it. Now, lately, lately right. the Times and the Post have, and that's notable. And CNN had a story last week about the federal investigation into Hunter. Uh, but I think there's this tension between fast and slow journalism, perhaps, uh, between people who know how newsrooms work and the vast majority of those who don't. I love what you said about how a lot of people just aren't tuned in at all, right? They don't, they don't care. They don't, they don't think the news is for them. And that's why we need a thousand startups. We need a thousand more of what, of what you two are doing. Because if people are growing up disinclined to care about the news, or disinclined to trust existing outlets. We need to get, there need to be a lot of new, new options, new on-ramps to be a part of the news system. I mean, in the same way that we're all members of the media now, we all actually have more of a responsibility now. If, we, if you have an Instagram and our Twitter or a TikTok, you're making media, you're making content. All right, shut up. The, the things that he's talking about here, uh, I think are just so um, patronizing. They're just simply platitudes. 
But when he says you guys, he's talking about students because mainly these are journalism students in this forum that are supposed to learn from him and the other panelists that are there. One of the uh, students, Christopher Phillips, he just straight up calls out Brian Stelter and CNN and asks him the following question. Check this out. You've all spoken extensively about Fox News being a purveyor of uh, disinformation. Uh, but CNN is right up there with them. They push the Russian collusion hoax. They push the Jesse Smollett hoax. They smeared Justice Kavanaugh as a rapist. And they also smeared Nick Sandman as a white supremacist. And yes, they dismissed the Hunter Biden laptop affair as pure Russian disinformation. Yes, they did. They totally did that. And this kid, he's probably like 19, 20, 21 years old max. This kid is sharp. He's calling it like it is. Uh, with mainstream corporate journalists becoming little more than uh, apologists and cheerleaders for the regime. <laughs> there might be some Levin in this kid. Cheerleaders. If he calls them pom-pom girls, we know he's listening to Levin. Go ahead. Is it time to finally declare that the, uh, the canon of journalistic ethics is dead or no longer operative? Uh, all the mistakes of the mainstream media and CNN in particular seem to magically all go in one direction. Are we expected to believe that this is all just some sort of random coincidence or is there something else behind it? It's too bad. It's time for lunch. <laughs> How weak is that? It's too bad. It's time for lunch. Yeah, it's probably always time for lunch. If Stelter's anything like me, I'm always hungry. I can always go for a Cuban sandwich, a plate of rice and beans. But the facts are the facts. And this kid's holding his feet to the fire and he's afraid to answer. But he tries to wiggle his way out of it. Check this out. You have 30 seconds. No, I mean, there's a, there's a clock that says 30 seconds. But, but I think my honest answer to you, and I will, I'll come over and talk in more detail after this, is that I think you're describing a different channel than the one that I watch. Uh, but I understand. So you criticize, you say, hey, Brian, I think you're short and you're bald. Well, well, you know, I think you're describing a different host. It's not really me that's short and bald, somebody else. Totally full of it. Go ahead. I understand that that is a popular right-wing narrative about CNN. I think it's important when we talk about shared reality and democracy, all these networks, all these news outlets have to defend democracy. And when they screw up, admit it. Uh, but when Benjamin Hall, the Fox correspondent, was wounded in Ukraine, the news crews at CNN and the New York Times stopped what they were doing, and they tried to help. They tried to help him get out of the country. They tried to find the dead crew members. That's what news outlets do. That's how they actually do work together to your question about sharing those kinds of connections and trust. We don't talk about it enough, though. We don't share that reality about how that happens. And with regards to the regime, I think you mean the President Biden? The last time I spoke with a Biden aide, we yelled at each other. So that's the reality of the news business that people don't see the people don't hear. They imagine that it's a, a situation that simply is not. But I think your question, it speaks to the failure of journalism to show our work and show the reality of how our profession operates. 100%. It totally shows the failure of journalism. It shows the failure of Brian Stelter. It shows the failure of what is supposed to be good and honest and holy in the media. The watchdog of the people holding the government accountable instead has become, like he said, cheerleaders for the current regime, the Biden regime, the James Biden regime, the Joe Biden regime, the Hunter Biden regime, covering it up every step of the way and promoting their Green New Deal and their racism. And if you're white, you're bad. And if you're brown, you're superior to everybody. And if you're black, you're the best thing there ever was because they're trying to turn the world upside down on its head because that's what Marxists do. And the more you study Marxism, the better you'll understand this stuff. That's all I can say. When I meet people that come from, uh, Communist countries, they can smell this stuff coming a mile away. Anyway, don't move a muscle. We're going to talk about immigration and how they continue to send the onslaught of people that they're sending through the cartels. 
straight to the border. Biden continues to do absolutely nothing. I am Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. This is America. This is America. This is America. He's got the best head of hair in podcasting. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Again, that's funny because I don't have any hair. That's why I've got the best head of hair in radio. Thank you so much for that amazing introduction. Thank you for joining us and for all of your five-star reviews, for tuning in, for sharing this, for letting your friends know, for texting them while I'm on the air saying, hey, hey, the funny Puerto Rican guy is on again. Thank you. And if you don't think I'm funny, even better. You know, <laughs> the hate uh, is real. I see it. It's palpable. And uh, I enjoy the, their uh, hateful commentary as well, believe it or not. I'm a little bit of a sadist because uh, I enjoy the d- diversity of opinion. And this is something that people have a diverse opinion about is immigration. Immigration is one of those topics where people are like, you know what? They're, they're all over the board with this stuff. And I can tell you, look, I support uh, legal immigration. I think that's fair to say for most people. But some people support illegal immigration. They're like, look, these people are fleeing all sorts of bad things. The other day, I went to one of those 24-hour convenience stores. Uh, guilty as charged. I have my hand raised high. I like to cheat on my diet every now and again. I do the keto diet. And I lost a considerable amount of weight with it, but I've gained back probably about 10 pounds lately because I've been eating a lot of carbs and I shouldn't be doing that. But I went out for a little bit of a midnight snack. It was like 11.30 p.m. And I was at this uh, convenience store and I bumped into my neighbor. And she was like, oh, I was just calling an Uber to go to um, this this place. It's like a few, few blocks up the street. And I said, you know, oh, okay, I'll give you a ride if you want. She's like, oh, great, you could save me the Uber. So I gave her a ride, and we were talking, and I don't know how it happens in a three-minute ride, but somehow the conversation goes to, you're not one of those radical Trumpers, are you? And I was like, don't you know what I do? <laughs> but I said, oh, I'm glad you've been so nice to me. That's probably why you've been nice to me. You didn't know the the, the evil right-wing uh, conspiracy, the vast right-wing conspiracy that I'm involved in every day. But we started talking and and it was almost her mission and she's probably a few years younger than me but her mission was to try and get me to go wow yeah you're right this is horrible you know and she went from i know people who work with trump trump is this trump is that and i said but you know i've been a republican forever and you know i've always been very conservative and she's like well that's okay the problem is liking trump or wanting him to run again And she was hell-bent on this. And I thought, you know, it's funny because Donald Trump ran for president on one big issue, which got him all the headlines, got him all the attention, all the action, which was immigration. They're rapists. They're murderers. Right. They, They mischaracterized what he said at his elevator speech and escalator speech, I should say. And then the next thing you know, he was everywhere. And the next thing you know, he was president. And because most people realized, you know what, look, whether I am a... Low income, white, low income, black, low income, Hispanic. Illegal immigration only hurts that group the most. Who has to gain? Well, usually the contractor who's not always uh, of color, but they benefit by getting cheap labor. So whoever the contractor or the general contractor, the subcontractor, whoever, but the actual minorities figured out pretty quick. That you know what, when you slow down this influx of illegal immigration at the border, guess what? We all have an opportunity to make some money. So this is a good thing that we seal the border, that we build the wall, that we slow down this trafficking problem that we have. But it seems that Joe El Baboso Biden seems to like this stuff. He's all with it. He's okay with these um, 
problems. As the best I can put them, it's, it's a crisis. It's problematic. He doesn't give a damn. And I've got some audio from a Democrat representative that has had enough. And they're saying, you know what? I don't care what's going on because this thing is out of control. This is representative from Texas, Veronica Escobar. She admits that Biden's, uh, excuse me, Biden's border crisis is a global crisis, not just families from Central America. And she goes on to say that, you know what, we need to use law enforcement at the border. But check out this first clip. Listen to this. And Jose, you point out something very important for Americans to understand. We are seeing lots of different types of refugees arriving at the southern border. So it's no longer just, um, you know, families from Central America. We're seeing uh, all of those nationalities that you mentioned, including Ukrainians. So that's why a more orderly process and better management at our southern border is important. Joe Biden is overseeing the largest human smuggling operation that we've ever seen at the United States southern border. That's just a fact, in my opinion. That's what I see. So we need to stop Joe Biden's massive human smuggling. And this is, again, whether he's afraid, I don't know if he's complicit in it to the sense that he's pushing for it, but the cartels are selling whatever they can sell. If they can sell heroin, if they can sell fentanyl, if they can sell humans getting into this country, they control that border. They're getting their piece of the pie. And that's the damn problem. We need to hold them accountable. And Trump was the one that said, hey, you know what, Mexico, if you don't hold them accountable, I am going to call them narco terrorists and I will use the military against them. And they didn't want that heat. So guess what? And he was very strict on them. I mean, I, I heard stories. Don't know if they're true. Don't quote me on it. But of the underground tunnels being filled with cement by the United States Department of Justice, they went out there instead of doing what Obama did with Fast and Furious, helping them to run guns. Trump was out there saying, no, yeah, basta. Enough is enough. This thing has to stop. He stood up for something. And that's why you and me, all of us, we need to stand for something, because if not, we'll fall for anything. And, and that's from Hamilton, right? Stand for, for nothing. You fall for anything. Plus, Sir Edmund Burke, one of the guys that informed our founders, he said the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So make sure you do something. Don't do nothing. That's a double negative, right? Make sure you do something. Stand up for America because she needs you more now than she's ever needed you. Anyway, I'm going to get into a lot more stuff on the next episode, but I'm going to put a pin in this one right here. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, thank you, WPHT. Thank you, Philadelphia. Thank you, everybody, coast to coast, that's listening to this program. I hope you have a great rest of the weekend. Make sure you check me out Saturdays at noon and Sundays at 6 a.m. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.